welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. So good to have you here today. Welcome. It's great to baptise people, and um, it's always a special time for families and... Uh, for our church community, so it's good, and we just want to extend a really warm welcome to those that are just here visiting and uh, just here to support family or friends or maybe from another church or maybe this is your first time in a church experience like this. We just want to welcome you. Um, Please hang around later on. Uh, We've got coffee out there and uh, tea and coffee. We really want to encourage you to hang out. It's going to be fun. Next week, I think Ehab might have spoken about this, but anyway, next week is um, Community Sunday. It's going to be really great. And uh, Community Sunday is going to be a little bit different to us just gathering just purely in the auditorium like we kind of do regularly. Um, Actually, we've got amazing hospitality next week. So we've got cheeseburgers being made, which I cannot wait for. Yeah, attendance just skyrocketed right there. (laughs) And say Jesus is going to be there. Maybe a few people come. Cheeseburgers, I'm in. <laughs> Cheeseburgers and Jesus, the ultimate combo. Anyway, let's leave that. Uh, leave that one alone. We're getting out of out of control. Um, it's kind of the place I live, but it's all good. So next Sunday is going to be really great. We are in a teaching series at the moment called Fivefold Family. We're really trying to reframe what Ephesians 4 talks about as these five gifts to the church. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher. We call it APES for short. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. And um, our heart in this series is really to, um, I suppose, the... The traditional Pentecostal church has always anchored uh, these gifts as these special people that often have the microphone, that often are church leaders or paid staff. And our heart is to reframe it as we look at the book of um, Ephesians, we begin to realise that it's not a leadership book, it's a book to, written to the church. And so when God's, when Paul rather is speaking to the church at Ephesus, the application isn't to an elite bunch of ninja Christians. The application is for all of us as the body of Christ, as the church, as the bride. And so we're really wanting to have this cool conversation around, well, what gift do I align with? We're not asking you to necessarily say, I'm an apostle or I'm a prophet or I'm an evangelist, a shepherd or a teacher. More so what we're wanting you to start identifying and start thinking through is, am I evangelistic? Am I apostolic? As we talk about these different areas and today we're up to the evangelist part, which is gonna be really, really fun. But for the sake of it, let's really quickly read Ephesians chapter four, um, just to uh, give this a bit of an anchor. And let's just read from verse 11, because we've read this many times before. And it says this, uh, Ephesians chapter four, verse 11. And he himself, speaking of Jesus, 
gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And this is what it's for. Verse 12 says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Why? Because the body needs edifying. For the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. A perfect man, uh, a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him, speaking of Jesus, who is the head, Christ, from which the whole body joined and knitted together by every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We have a saying in our church, and um, I'm on repeat, I know, in this series, but we have a saying in our church that we want to be a church full of ministers, not members. And so often Christianity has become irrelevant and powerless because we've reserved God's work to be done on a Sunday morning from somewhere about nine o'clock through to about one o'clock and then the Holy Spirit goes on a lunch break. And, um, and we've kind of, we've made the church, we've made the church the 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 ecclesia, we've made the body of Christ this thing that happens on a Sunday. And whilst we as the church gather for worship like this, gather for other, uh, I suppose, religious things like baptism and our worship and our singing of songs. And we got a little bit more African today, which was super fun. Um, Someone walked in and said, have I walked into an African church? And I'm like, let's hope so. And, uh, and, and, and we have all those things, we do communion, we gather, it's an important part. I'm not trying to downplay us gathering together as the church on a Sunday. It's really, really important as a part of our expression of worship. But we, the, the church is not an activity, the church is an identity. Did you hear that? The church is not an activity, it's not something that we do. The church is something that we are. As a result of the church being the body, the bride of Christ, of course there are things that the church does. But we have a heart and we believe that what God is doing in the earth is not elevating the person with a microphone, but we believe that God is anointing and equipping and empowering His body for the work of the ministry. And where does the work of the ministry take place? You're right in thinking that some of it does take place as we gather as the church. But a lot of it is gonna take place not in the four walls of the synagogue, the sanctuary, the holy place, but a lot of the work that God wants to do is gonna happen outside of these four walls, outside of this very nice cookie cutter, predictable, safe environment. And God wants to use you as a minister for His grace and His love in the world out there. 
at the very beginning of our journey of Empower, we, I used to say all the time that revival is not the world coming to the church. Revival is the church being so empowered by the Holy Spirit that an overflow happens and the church go to the world. <laughs> mm, yeah, that was good, thanks. I'm for, listen to me, can I say something strong just to our church family? If you're visiting from somewhere else, block your ears, it's all good. This is just a pastoral moment. I'm for revival. But let's call it revival when it actually influences the world and isn't just a good service that we have in the church. we are so good at, can I say something good again? It's good in my mind anyway. We are so good at being contemporary to ourselves. We are so good at evangelising other Christians. We are so good at building and making things so comfortable that depending on kind of where we're at, what's going on, we all attend the church that has the greatest level of comfort according to what we're looking for. I'm not talking about seats, I'm talking about style. Oh, Christianity has to grow way beyond that. We wonder why the world aren't being reached. It's because we're worried about the temperature of a spa. I was, because I got in it. <laughs> preaching to myself as the Holy Spirit convicts me. Are you with me though this morning? And so I'm saying all this because I want you to understand that this is about you and I being activated in our workplaces, in our worlds, using the gifts that God has put inside of us to be an effective minister. You know, so, so we're not saying, um, so what we're saying is we're saying, hey, we want you to gather in here on a Sunday and be equipped and allow the Holy Spirit to touch you. Can I just, from the get-go, just say that we believe in the supernatural power of God. We believe the Holy Spirit moves in power today. We believe He moves in miracles, in signs and wonders. We believe that if it was His will, the death could be raised back to life. We believe, what's the point of devoting your life to something, to, to a God that can't move in supernatural signs and wonders. It makes no sense to me. Of course He can. That's why we're here. That's what we believe. We believe that God hears prayers. We believe that God can set you free if you have an addiction here today. We believe that if you walked in here with mental health issues, you can be set free, not by a man, not by a person, not because of a nice atmosphere, but because of the resurrected Son of God, His name is Jesus. Come on, would you clap like you believe that this morning? And so we believe it. We believe it all. But we have to mature in our believing so that we don't just believe in here. But that same spirit of faith we carry wherever we go. 
We're talking about the evangelist today. And this is a big one. We could do this in like four or five hours. <laughs> Don't test me. Um, and, um, and it's a big one because I think in a lot of ways we've certainly pigeonholed what and who an evangelist is. Our Western context, and we thank God for the amazing Christian heritage we have of Reinhard Bonnke, and anyone know who Reinhard Bonnke is? He would go into Africa, Africa must be saved. I remember being in one of his meetings one time, long story short, we were in Asia and I was touring with a band at the time and we were, um, we got to go to a, a session that he did with just pastors and we were there doing the worship and we were only meant to be there for a few moments, but um, I was, because we had a flight to catch, but I was just so hungry for some sort of impartation. And so while everyone else is kind of packing up and doing their thing and sitting in the seats, I just got out of my seat and come and knelt at the front. A friend of mine's next to me packing down his drums. He told me about it later on. Um, and we thank God for the Christian heritage. We thank God for the Billy Grahams of this world. And we thank God. And yes, they do a phenomenal evangelistic work. We thank God for the, for the modern day versions of that. But I think we could all agree that... When we say the word evangelist, often we are thinking about someone that is that. And so we always, we automatically do ourselves out of a job of evangelizing because we think, well, it's going to happen through someone with a microphone in a big stand, a big stage and a big arena. And we thank God for those moments. But I really don't think that that's what God is breathing on in this generation. I think God does do that and we thank God for it and we will be, we will partner with that when it happens. But I believe that the pendulum has swung too far to us relying on just one person in a big crusade type of setting where God is wanting the entire body activated. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter, um, his, his first sermon. He said this, he says, this time... The time is fulfilled. This is Mark, sorry, chapter 1 and verse number 15. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Everybody say gospel. We call the New Testament the gospel. We call the, the four books of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, the Gospels. They are the Gospel according to Matthew, the Gospel according to Mark, etc. This word Gospel in the Greek is actually, there's, there's three words that get translated out of this one word, which we get this word Gospel. And I'm going to give it a crack at trying to pronounce it. Is that all right? It's, it's the word uen. Jalizo, right? It's where we get our word evangelism, okay? The three times it's used, it's evangelizo, evangelion, evangelistes. And they essentially come from the same word, which is where we get the word gospel. It's the good news of Jesus. For the sake of time, I won't break those down in detail, but it means to be... Uh, to the good news or the gospel means to proclaim that which is good. It means to 
um, the gospel or the good news. It means that you're carrying something good. The good news is that what, before the death of and the resurrection of Jesus, I said this last week, that we were dead. We weren't good people. We weren't bad people trying to become good people, right? Religion tries to make it about bad people versus good people. That's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is that because of sin, all of us were dead in our sin. So it's not about bad and then we find Jesus and then religion makes us good. No, it's about that spiritually speaking, we were dead on the inside. And then when we came to believe in Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, our eyes, spiritual eyes were open. We believed in Him. And as a result of our believing, we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. The Bible says in the book of Romans that we were as a result saved. Why were we saved? Why? Because we were dead and we needed a Saviour to cancel what was due to us. The Bible says that the wages or what is earned because of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so when we come to Jesus, we are saved. We are resurrected. We participate in the resurrection of Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. That's really important because religion, isn't, religion is about bad people becoming good people. Well, the Bible says that our, the, I'm going to butcher English here right now, but the goodest you could ever be, the goodest, bestest person, the most righteous, most holy person you could be in your own strength doesn't even come close to fulfilling the standards of Christ, of God's perfection. And so all your good, so all your earning and striving and attendance and praying and religious activity, it's not the thing that gets you through the door. The thing that gets you through the door, the thing that gets you in a relationship with God is acknowledging that you're a sinner and that Jesus has a gift for you. It's the gift of salvation. And this is why the gospel is good news. It's good news because the Jews tried for years and years and years and years, hundreds of years to fulfill, fulfilling the law of Moses. And all it did was having them create more laws in order to try, trying to get right with God. But through Jesus, the good news is that the Jews don't need to try anymore. The good news for us today as non-Jewish people is that we don't have to try anymore. It's a gift. It's the gift of God's grace that we may write with Him. And so this idea of the good news and an evangelist, it's where we get that word evangelist. This comes from this kind of ancient thing where back in Jesus' time, um, we've already discovered throughout this series that Jesus hijacked a whole lot of words. And some of those, while some of those words were operating, for example, the word apostolic, 
was a word that was already, or disciples already existed within the cultural context, the time that Jesus lived in. And Jesus used them to his advantage to communicate who the church is called to be. And one of these things, gifts that he gave to the church are these people called the evangelists. Now, the Jewish people would have known what an evangelist was. Whenever a military battle would happen, the king would go out with his soldiers, they would fight. They would then, let's say they win the battle, they would then send the evangelist back with the good news and this evangelist would carry the good news back to its to the town or to the city or to whatever. And they would carry this good news back to the people. The king has been victorious in his battle. The king has overcome. There's a new territory. There's a new realm. There's new authority. There's new harvest. And they would be a herald. They would be a messenger of the good news. We read Mark chapter one, where Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We know that the king is one, King Jesus. And so now we are the carriers of that good news. (laughs) It's so hard to evangelise. Maybe we need to be focused on what the king has done. Being an evangelist is actually the easiest thing. The Bible tells us as well, just so that you don't think you're off the hook, the Bible says, do the work of an evangelist to fulfil your ministry. Isn't that for the ministers? Yeah. And remember, we're a church not full of members, full of... So that's you. We're all evangelists. What does that mean? We are all carriers of the good news of Jesus. And so they would come back and they would say, the king has won. And that's who we are. I want us to reframe this idea of of an evangelist. Um, And let's just go to one last scripture and then we'll, we'll close for this morning. Let's go to Matthew chapter 28, if you don't mind. And we'll wrap this up soon. 11.15, we've got at least a good hour. I like scaring the visitors. But really, it's actually scaring the regulars because they know I'm not joking. I'm like, ha, 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 he's not joking. This, this is terrible. I'm glad someone put the lid on the spa. We're going to read from verse number 18. And it says, And Jesus came to them, right? So this is an incredibly important passage to us as the church, Right? Why, it's known as the Great Commission. All right, just stick with me for a moment. And it's made very clear that this is Jesus' command for his followers and that we as his church are to actively engage in the Great Commission. So we are to evangelise, we are to carry the message, the good news of this message into the world. And this is what it says. It says, it says, Um, says this. And Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, 
make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always till the end of the age. So Jesus' command here is that he wants us to go into all the world and do what? Make disciples. You and I have been taught for years and years and years and years and years to go into the world and evangelize. That's incorrect. I'm not saying we don't do evangelism. We do evangelism. But we always think of evangelism as a project that we got to do. I want to reframe evangelism this morning out of the arena, out of from the big altar call. Did you know altar calls are only a couple of hundred years old? God's used them wonderfully. We thank God for them. But it's not in the Bible where it's like, bow your heads, close your eyes, put your hand up on the count of three, and then, you know, we do that whole thing. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that's not in the Bible. Absolutely, in the book of Acts, there were people responding to the gospel. You know how they were responding. They weren't responding by coming up and joining a class. They were responding by repent and be baptized. And they were making a decision in the moment and getting in the water straight away. We've contextualized a whole lot of things where we believe we've tried to make it work in our context, but it's not necessarily the Bible. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just wanting to invite you to start thinking about who you are and how God wants to use you in your world in a different way. And so I want to take evangelism out of the realm of just the big altar call in a big church meeting. And I want, you to, I want it to be reframed in the filter of the Great Commission, which is about discipleship. If we zoom into Jesus, the ultimate evangelist, how did he live his life? What was he doing? How was he evangelizing people? He was like, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house for lunch. Not, hey, Zacchaeus, I've got this big crusade coming up. Do you want to come? Not, hey, church is on Sunday. We've got this guest speaker. He's pretty anointed in the area of getting people to put their hands up at the end of the message. (laughs) Why don't you come? Because the church of the book of Acts realised that the kingdom was within them. And so the greatest evangelism took place. Like, I thank God, like, for these environments. I'm not, it's both and, okay? But I'm trying to bring the pendulum back a little bit more because you've thought you're not an evangelist and that's why you think evangelism isn't happening. But, you know, let me, let me, I wrote a few words down that I reckon define what modern day evangelists are like. And I want you to see if you gel with some of these words. You ready? You might want to write these down. Number one, you're relational. You enjoy people. Who here has ever invited someone out for a cup of coffee? Just give me a raise. Raise your hand. Come and raise it. Don't be, it should be everyone. You are practicing the work of an evangelist by doing that. You've just, you just forgot 
that you were carrying good news. You remembered that you were carrying a good cup of coffee, almond latte. <laughs> you forgot that you were carrying the good news. How many, of it, how many of you have ever invited someone over for dinner before? Let me see a raise of hands. Who's, who here, Australians are actually really good evangelists. Raise your hand if you have ever had a barbecue or been be invited someone to a barbecue. Raise a hand. For the South Africans, I see you. You've had a braai. I see that. I see that. How many of you, can we make this really, really spiritual now? Can I, can we? How many of you have ever invited someone, I might get kicked out of the church for this, you've invited someone down to the pub for a drink? Oh, everyone's like, I'm not sure we should be putting our hands up for this. All right, we see your hands. That was a salvation altar call and let's pray. <laughs> you were carrying your craft beer, but you forgot you were carrying the good news of Jesus. And I'm saying that because I want to shock your mind for a moment. Because you've always thought the realm of the evangelist is for the outspoken person, but it's actually for the person that deeply cares about another person. You're, you're relational. You're a communicator. You're emotional. You're in touch. You're, you're aware of others' emotions as well as your own. Husbands and wives, don't look around, okay? I can see husbands and wives just like, yeah. see, that's why I'm emotional. I'm an evangelist. It's spiritual. That's what a wife was just glaring to her husband and I caught that whole moment. <laughs> I actually did. It was funny. You're, 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 you're genuine. You come down to someone's level. You're inspirational, you're optimistic, you're always seeing the best in someone. The evangelist is always someone that's saying, hell is happening in your life right now. Luckily that I carry heaven within me and heaven overcomes hell, light overcomes darkness. And so as an evangelist, you're an, you're an eternal optimist because you're looking at the person that is the most impossible person that could ever come to Christ according to the world. And because you're an eternal optimist, you have this thing in your heart that says, it, nothing is impossible for my Jesus. You're, you're, you're engaging, you're enthusiastic, you're a storyteller. We see these people, we see modern day evangelists, they're the, they're the mobilizers, they're the people that get, get stuff going. You're the recruiter. You're, you're, if, you're, if you have an evangelistic tendency inside of you, you're probably, you're a negotiator, a media worker. You're, if you're in marketing, you'll probably have an evangelistic bent inside of you. It says, how do I tell this story? How do I communicate this thing? How do I engage with my audience? That is what an evangelist does. You're an organizer, a miracle worker. We find these, we find evangelists obviously in preachers. We also find evangelists in drug dealers. Come on, it's just an unredeemed version of the God-given identity that was put inside of them. You're a journalist, God help them all. You're a motivational speaker. 
You're, you're a networker. You're a sales marketer. You're the person that when a pyramid scam comes up, you think, I could do that pretty well. <laughs> you're in, involved with people. And please hear my heart. And if you're visiting, I apologise. This isn't like one of those nice messages of like, wow, oh, this is great. Awesome. I get what's going on. You're probably like, I don't really get what's going on. That's all good. But for, for our, our church family today, I want you to see I'm, I'm, and hear my heart. I'm not saying the old way is a bad way. But I am saying it is, a bad, it is bad if that's all that we're believing for. I heard a quote this week as I listened to a... Um, a sermon or uh, two guys just chatting on YouTube. And um, in that message, one of the comments was, the greatest enemy of a new move of God is an old move of God. The greatest enemy of a new move of God is an old move of God. And the reason is, is because we as humans get so good at doing what we know. And so I want to encourage you to be those people that take up this mantle of evangelism. You know, with our staff and our team, we kind of, um, we've been journeying this through over the last couple of months. One of the conversations that we've spoken about is around this area of evangelism. Isaac actually shared a story. I think, I'm not sure if I've shared it before, but anyway. Isaac shared a story of how um, he's a remedial masseuse. If you need a massage, he's really, really good actually. Um, just there he is over there. And um, his number will be on this. No, there's a Q. We don't do numbers. We do QR codes. Um, there's a QR code up there. Um, not really. And, um, but he was telling a story how um, there, was, there was a patient coming in and... Um, God just started putting stuff in his heart for this lady and I'm abbreviating and probably butchering the story quite bad. But the point is, is that in that moment, just life. Not, do you want to come to church on Sunday? Just ministering the goodness of God to people. Did you hear that? The goodness of God. Like it's not your job to get someone to repent. It's not your job to get someone to live holy. <laughs> Holiness is not your job. That's the work of the Spirit as you and I as human beings continue to yield to Him. That transformation then takes place and produces purity and godly living out of our lives. But the Bible says that it's His goodness, it's His kindness that leads us to repentance. Leads us to repentance, leads us to change the direction of our lives and move towards Him. So I'm commissioning you today as our church family, as evangelists. Why? Because you carry the good news. You carry the greatest news there is. And you don't need the world 
to come into this building that we call the church. That's not how God set it up. God set it up that through the church, the people of God, the ecclesia, the gospel would be preached into all the world. Another statistic I read that if just every, if one person got saved and made a commitment to disciple another person and then the following year they discipled someone else and then the following year they discipled someone else. Takes approximately 35 years for the entire world if we all just focus on discipling one person every year. 35 years for the whole world to be discipled. Not everyone's going to walk, like you get, some people you're going to invite, they're going to come to something like this. Not everyone. So where are they going to be found? So as long as we're saying, God, bring them to church, we're missing the point of, God, of, of what God has already said. I don't need them to come to the church because I've sent the church to them. So I want you to think of the world that you live in. I want you to think about the goodness of God and how you can minister His goodness into this world. I want you to think, not, not, like, let's break out of that religious bubble for a moment. And let's think about how we can meet the practical needs of our community. Is there a single parent in your street that you can just love on by sending a Coles voucher or making dinner or taking their kids to fun fields or I don't know. Is there, an, is there a need that you notice? Who are the people that you work with? What's going on in their lives? The, the statistics tell us that a lot of people in our world struggle with mental health stuff. And so some of the greatest evangelistic work you can do is just go up and encourage them. Man, we're here for you. God loves you. I'm a Christian, whatever you do. You do what you need to do. You don't even need to do that. One day they're just going to ask, why are you so nice? It's because of Jesus. You've got a need, can I pray for you? They might say, no, I'm not interested in that religious beep, beep. That's okay. Let's be real. It happens. But you carry the good news of Jesus. And so my prayer is that on your journey of discipleship, as you do it with others, include others with you. If you're hanging out, my kids love playing Settlers of Catan. Anyone played that? You ever played that game before? It's like Monopoly, but way more annoying. And it goes for like about 45 hours. That's the other point, right? It's longer than Monopoly. And so, or you're having a barbecue, don't just invite your same old people over. Like salt rubs off. You know how Jesus said, we're like the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its flavour, what's it good for? But when salt is salty, what does it do? It flavours everything it comes into contact with. 
changes everything, including some of my arteries. But it does. It changes the world. And so you've just got to know that your presence as a born-again Christian, as someone that carries the goodness of God inside of you, in the person of the Holy Spirit, come on. You're an evangelist. You don't need to know all these secret prayers. Bow your heads, close your eyes. That's going to get weird while you're watching the football. But just invest into people's lives. Share with them the heart of God through your heart for them. Amen? Come on, let's stand to our feet. We're going to pray. We're going to go. Ah, spiritual keys. I'm in a funny mood today. Or in my own mind, anyway. It's not actually that funny, but... Awesome. So good. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Would you just focus on Jesus for a moment? We just give you all the praise, Father. Lord, I just pray for those that don't know you that are here this morning. I don't... More than anything, Father, I don't, I'm not trying to intellectually convince them. But Father, I'm just asking that you would open their, their spiritual eyes, that they would experience you. Praying, Father, today, Holy Spirit, do the work that only you can do. Religion can't do it. Church can't do it. Nothing can do it except you. And so I just pray that you'd come and you'd knock on the door of people's hearts today. And you begin to move in them and speak to them and fill them with that love and joy. Lord, as they believe in you, I pray that that weight would just be lifted off them, Father. We just declare that in the name of Jesus. That you're enough, Father. You're so good. You're so good. And Father, today for our church family, I'm just asking that you would just light a heart, light light a spark of evangelism inside of the heart of this church. Father, that you would just be so active amongst us, that you'd just be so real amongst us, that you would move in power amongst us. Father, whether it is to the extreme of being in the pub or being in the pure church, there would be an awareness that we are carriers of the good news. Lord, I am praying today in the mighty name of Jesus that You would burden us. You would put a a spiritual burden on us, Father, to care and to love for those that don't know You in a way that communicates Your love to this world. And we just declare, and and we declare, Father, that You're good and that we are carriers of the good news. And we bless You today in the name of Jesus. We bless You, Father. We bless you, Father. Can you just take one minute just to lift up the name of Jesus? We just lift up the name of Jesus right now. Come on, do it in prayer. Do it with your own mouth. Whatever you want to do, do it with your hands. We just praise you, Jesus. You're so good. 
We're just believing, Father, right now for any sickness that's in this room to be completely healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, where there's any demonic oppression or force attacking people, Father, I cancel that assignment today in the name of Jesus. I declare you to be removed in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, where there's addictions, we're just declaring freedom right now. We're declaring freedom in the name of Jesus. Freedom in the name of Jesus. Freedom right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Going to invite our prayer team to just come. And um, we always just want to take an opportunity if anyone has any prayer needs. We want to pray with you. We want to stand with you. And so they're going to come now and beat the crowd if that's all right. Um, but for those of you that are uh, wanting to have coffee or you can head out and do that, hang out. Um, for those of you that want prayer, come and just grab someone. Our team are going to worship for a little while. But God bless you. Looking forward to seeing you next Sunday as well. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.